Hi everybody, I'm Paul Jeffries, and yes, this is my podcast. Welcome to it. Glad to have you along. Well, it's that time of year again when the leaves are falling, the air is cool and crisp, and it's uh, also the time of year for pumpkins and scary stuff and all sorts of other fun things. We're going to take a look at some of those things today. Have you ever wondered how certain superstitions came to be? Some are good, some are bad. Uh, interesting thing, though, is that many have their origins in religion or folklore from many centuries ago. Let's take a look at some of them. Black cats. Now, black cats are considered to be bad luck by many people, but it uh, wasn't always that way. In fact, uh, ancient Egyptians actually believed that all cats, including black cats, brought good luck and prosperity. In the Middle Ages, that belief changed quite a bit. Many people believed that black cats were the cause of the Black Death pandemic in the late 1300s, to the point where the cats were rounded up and exterminated. Ironically, though, this may have very well made the situation even worse, as there were less cats round to kill rodents who were considered the major carriers of the plague. The stigma of black cats carried on into later centuries, particularly during the Salem witch trials of the 1600s. Many people believed that black cats were the companions of witches, or familiars as they were called, or they actually believed that the cats themselves were witches in disguise, and a black cat crossing your path was bad luck and an indication that the devil was watching you. Black cats aren't considered bad luck everywhere, though. In some parts of Great Britain, particularly in the Midlands, it's considered good luck to give a new bride a gift of a black cat as a way of blessing her nuptials. And also, black cats are considered a symbol of good luck in Japan, especially for single women, as a way of luring desirable suitors. Every day on August 17th of each year, you can show your love for these fine creatures. That is when Black Cat Appreciation Day is celebrated. The number 13. Well, the number 13 has been considered unlucky by many people. Some people even have a fear of it. The fear of the number 13 is Triskaidekaphobia, and it has its roots in Norse mythology. Uh, this dates back to a tale where 12 gods were invited to dine at Valhalla, a magnificent banquet hall in Asgard, the city of the gods. Loki, who was the god of strife and evil, crashed the party, bringing the number of attendees to 13. The other gods tried to kick him out of the party, and then a fight broke out. One of the most popular gods, Baldur, was killed in the ensuing struggle. The stigma of 13 being unlucky was also reinforced in biblical times, with Judas being the 13th attendee at the Last Supper, which plays into our next superstition, spilled salt. If you take a look at Leonardo da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper, you'll notice it depicts Judas as having spilled salt on the table. Spilling salt was considered bad luck for many centuries, as it was a very valuable commodity. There was a time when Roman soldiers were given special allowances for salt rations, or salarium, as they were called, which is where the word salary originated from. If you spill some salt, however, it has been long believed that if you toss it over your left shoulder, you're likely to hit the devil in the face with it, warding off potential evil and bad luck. Walking under a ladder is bad luck. Well, this is a superstition that dates back to ancient Egypt. A ladder, when placed against the wall, creates a triangle shape, and triangles were considered sacred, as illustrated by the pyramids of Egypt. Uh, they represented the trinity of the gods, and passing through that triangle shape was considered a desecration. 
Also in Christian times, the ladder was considered a symbol of evil and betrayal. A ladder was leaning against the cross during Jesus' crucifixion, so walking under a ladder was inviting misfortune. Saying bless you when somebody sneezes. Uh, this has long been a belief among many cultures for thousands of years that sneezing was a way of expelling evil spirits from the body. Another superstition, which dates back to the 6th century involving Pope Gregory the Great, uh, sickness had spread across Italy and it had started with chronic violent sneezing, which was quickly followed by death. Pope Gregory then ordered people to say, God bless you when somebody sneezed in public. And if somebody sneezed alone, the Pope recommended saying, God help me to themselves. Step on a crack, break your mother's back. Well, this superstition dates back to the days of African and European folklore. It dates back long before Devo incorporated it into a hit song. Many people believe that cracks in the ground were portholes to the supernatural realm, and stepping on those cracks was a way of unleashing evil spirits and bringing pain and suffering into the world. Horseshoes are good luck. They were actually a good luck charm in many cultures. This dates back to uh, 14th century Greece. They uh, believed that uh, because they were made of mostly iron, they were good luck because iron was believed to keep away evil spirits. Also, horseshoes looked similar to a crescent moon, which was a symbol of good fortune and fertility. Also, in the British Isles during the Middle Ages, when witchcraft was believed to be rampant, hanging a horseshoe on a door was used to scare witches away because apparently witches didn't like horses. And that's a look at some of the superstitions, some of which we still hold on to today. Here's an interesting story out of Richmond, B.C., Canada. A safety video posted on X, formerly known as Twitter by the Richmond, B.C. RCMP, is gaining attention online, but for all the wrong reasons. The video depicts a girl wearing a dark hoodie. She uh, sticks her AirPods in her ears, uh, covers her head with her hood, goes outside, and approaches a crosswalk. She hits the walk button and proceeds across the intersection, looking straight ahead without looking left or right. Then we see a car in the distance, and inside the car, the driver hears his cell phone ringing and picks it up as he approaches the intersection. And then, at the very last second, the driver notices the girl, slams on the brakes, and just narrowly avoids hitting her. The girl has a look of astonishment on her face, and the driver has a look of shame on his face. Then the video fades to black, and then the words, Pedestrian safety is a two-way street, appear on the screen. A simple message? Well, not according to some people. Many people have called out the RCMP online, accusing them of victim-blaming. They say that the girl was doing nothing wrong, whereas the driver of the car was involved in the very illegal activity of distracted driving. The RCMP is rather disheartened that this is the message that people are drawing from the video. They said it's not meant to be a video about who's right or who's wrong. The RCMP is just trying to illustrate the possible scenarios that can happen when both pedestrians and drivers aren't paying attention to their surroundings. The RCMP said they would remove the video if they believed it to be offensive, uh, but they don't believe it is, so they're taking no immediate steps to remove the video offline anytime soon. 
Now, when I was uh, growing up in the 70s, it seems that the motto, always look both ways before crossing the street, was something that was drilled into us in elementary school, something that was drilled into us over and over. Now, I assume the same thing was taught to kids in the 80s, the 90s, and probably beyond. Now, is this, uh, is this no longer a thing? Because to me, it just kind of seems like uh, common sense, and it seems to be uh, taking a backseat to a political correctness, or whatever you want to call it. I think I'll continue to look both ways before crossing any street. Well, it seems as though comfort animals have become popular in the past few years. Uh, comfort animals, if you're not familiar, provide emotional support and well-being to their owners. This past September, a Philadelphia Phillies fan was denied access to a game where the Phillies hosted the Pittsburgh Pirates. His emotional support animal's name is Wally Gator, and as you guessed it, Wally is an alligator. Wally Gator is owned by Joey Henney, a longtime reptile rescuer of Jonestown, PA. He adopted him about seven years ago when there was an abundance of alligators in Florida. Citizens Bank Park, the home of the Phillies, has a policy posted on their website regarding service animals, which includes guide dogs and other service animals in training, but all other animals are prohibited. That hasn't stopped Wally from gaining thousands of followers and fans online, and according to Henny, he likes to give hugs. I imagine a comfort boa constrictor would do the same thing. Now let's take a look at music. In March of this year, Genesis gave their last concert as part of their farewell tour, and this mostly likely will be their farewell tour for sure, uh, due to Phil Collins' declining health. One of the attendees at the concert was Peter Gabriel. As you know, Peter Gabriel left Genesis in 1975 to pursue a solo career. Gabriel said he wanted to be at the concert because he felt it was a rite of passage. He said he was there at the creation of Genesis, so obviously he wanted to be there at the end, as he explained to Mojo Magazine. He noted that uh, Phil wasn't in as great a shape as he used to be, but he says that the band still did a great job. Gabriel just concluded his own tour, which just recently wrapped up October 21st. He'll be focusing on his new album, I Slash O, which is due out on December 1st of this year. Julian Lennon says he has mixed feelings about Hey Jude. In a recent interview with Bill Mahar, he says that he has a love-hate relationship with the song. He says he's thankful for the song, but he says what most people don't realize is that it's a stark reminder of a rather unpleasant time in his life. It was uh, written when his father John walked out on him and his mother Cynthia to go live with Yoko Ono. Paul McCartney wrote the song originally titled Hey Jules to console Julian and to help comfort him through that hard time. Wolfgang Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen's son, is saying that David Lee Roth is the main reason that their final album, A Different Kind of Truth, is not currently available on streaming sites. In a recent interview with Sirius XM, Wolfgang didn't mention any names, but said certain people who were involved with the album, which came out in 2012, didn't like it and are making it difficult to get it back on the streaming services. Interviewer Eddie Trunk of the show Trunk Nation asked if that person was commonly known by three initials. Wolfgang replied with, probably, you can put it together. Wolfgang also says that he hopes that people who enjoy the album will go out and buy a physical copy of it. Well, now going back to uh, our Halloween theme, CandyStore.com has made a list of the 10 most popular Halloween candies across the U.S., in the number 10 spot, Snickers bars. 
Number nine, Hershey's mini bars. Number eight shows candy corn slipping into that spot, making a return to the top ten after falling out of favor for a few years. Uh, the number seven spot is held by Hershey's Kisses. Number six, Starburst. Sour Patch Kids hold the number five spot. Skittles are in the number four spot. The number three spot belongs to Hot Tamales, which is actually a little bit of a surprise with them uh, overtaking Skittles in terms of popularity. The number two spot, M&M's. And the number one candy, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, a perennial favorite. Uh, speaking of favorites, Smooth Radio in the UK has published their list of the top ten songs of Halloween. Number 10, Witchy Woman by the Eagles, a song which was written by Don Henley about a seductive enchantress. Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield, which was an instrumental track that took on a new level of creepiness when it was included in the 1973 movie The Exorcist. Number 8, This is Halloween by Danny Elfman, which was featured in the 1993 animated film The Nightmare Before Christmas and was later covered by Marilyn Manson. Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult holds the number 7 spot. Number 6, I Put a Spell on You by Screamin' Jay Hawkins, which was later covered by Creedence Clearwater Revival. The number 5 spot, Where the Wild Roses Grow by Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue. The number 4 spot sees Rockwell holding it with Somebody's Watching Me, and he has some assistance from Michael and Jermaine Jackson on that track. The number three spot belongs to Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers. Uh, this was a song that was a hit single on the Billboard charts in 1962, 1973, and 2021. The number two spot belongs to Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. And the number one spot, well, you've probably guessed it by now, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Well, that's it for another episode. I'm Paul Jeffries, and yes, this is my podcast. Don't forget to drop me a line at pjpodcaster at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Take care, and I'll talk to you again real soon.